Hello, hello, to unintentionally quote you two, Elevation, I think is the song, off of How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb. Anyway, that's really not why I'm here at all, to do terrible references. Couple of things, in the title of the show you might notice, well, three things. One, Erin Begathy's on the show, that's the first thing, she's the best. Third time on the show, I don't really have much to say outside of that, she's awesome. I always love talking to her. Second thing you might notice is that it's episode 200, which is pretty momentous as far as I'm concerned. It's pretty wild. I can't even wrap my head around it. It's it's nuts. Yeah, really cool, obviously. It's wild to have done this many, pretty much at a loss of words, which is really not very good in an audio-only medium, but here we are, episode 200. Third thing you might notice is it says part one, and that is because it is part one of two. We were having major connection issues, couldn't figure out at first like whether it was my end, her end. Not that that would necessarily allow us to fix it it was pretty much out of our hands and by that i mean it was very much out of our hands and um best we could figure out it was something on her end from heat in dublin and rolling blackouts happening seemingly so as a result we recorded twice once for about however long like 50 minutes maybe and then it cut out and then we went back to it so the choices were either to do one basically 80 to 90 minute episode or I figured split it up pretty logically in the before we dropped off and then the after we dropped off, making it like a 45-minute episode, maybe like a 35, 40-minute episode. That made the most sense to me. And I also figured, you know, I haven't done the part one, part two in a long time. And while I'm not really necessarily looking to do that anytime soon, or it wasn't really something I was thinking about, well, it's episode 200, so why not do something, one thing at least that's an aberration? Uh, Why not? Who cares? Who gives a shit? So... Just a FYI on that. Yeah, so this will be part one of part two. Part two will be out same time the following week, next week. And, you know, like I said, Aaron's always great to talk to. I love it. I really do. She's the best. Enjoy the episode. 200. Man alive. 200. Can't believe it. But, uh, yeah. Thanks for listening. Take care. Bye. This is social disgusting. Welcome to Social Discasting, a podcast where my guests and I discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves. I don't know what my weird Shatner cadence is right now, but <laughs> there we go. My guest is a returning one. A returning, returning one, really, I guess one would say. Having previously appeared on episodes 65 and 66, she also appeared on episode 175 last December, and now... She's appearing again on a momentous occasion, episode 200. Just remember that. She's a comedian, an artist, a writer, a podcaster, and a ragamuffin, a plethora of things, as well as co-founder of Mob Theater Dublin, a very cool alternative comedy club. Please welcome back once more, Erin McGathy. Welcome back. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for doing it. Yeah, of course. Of course. Can we acknowledge that we were just talking for... A full 40 minutes before we started recording. Yes, I think that's going to help to maybe rechannel that energy because now it feels so, like you said before, like weirdly for- like informal and just talking to then yeah. formal in the recording format and then we'll get back to it. Last time when we recorded too in December, I think it was like three hours before. So <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. I'm not, you know, without exaggeration. I mean, I think we, for example, talked about uh, JFK Jr. <laughs> conspiracy theories. <laughs> And a man by an under overpass, I think, in Dallas with a bird on his shoulder with a line of people waiting to talk to him about what they should do because yeah. JFK Jr. is returning in Dealey yeah. Plaza. I mean, we talked about everything. I mean, there, there's something about, I mean, this is the only podcast that I guest on where we're not looking at each other's faces. And you know, I think... 
And I downloaded Zoom in case you wanted to do that. And I wasn't oh. going to push the point because I didn't know because I've never done that before. But I was also weirdly like, I don't know. I guess you do things different at a moment of like a 200. Am I supposed to do something different now? So I downloaded <laughs> that experience case. for your audience would be yeah. that they knew that you now could see the guest <laughs> when it's not part of the <laughs> show to begin with. Like, do, does the, and forgive me if we talked about this before, but does the audience the audience knows that you are not looking at that the the guest, right? It's been mentioned for sure at some point. I don't know how many times in retrospect, but excuse me, I almost burped. Uh, peek behind the curtain. <laughs> that uh, I wasn't sure about. You know, when I first started this and had this like uh, this very minimalist, so to speak, interface or service that I'm using, I was just like, oh yeah, that's just what I'll do, and I just don't have that. But then randomly at like a hundred plus in, I'm like. I'm like the only one who doesn't ever see guests. Like, is that normal? Mm. I don't, whatever that means, I suppose. But I'm like, should I be like talking to people? I could probably connect with them better if maybe I could see them. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I was thinking about it before I hopped on. And I think that um, there's something really cool about it. Like, I think it kind of unlocks a... I don't know, like, yeah, it's interesting. I don't even know know really how to articulate it, but I feel like it unlocks like a weird sort of um, early internet chat room honesty. Okay, interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Something. Yeah, I don't know. The lack of us seeing each other creates some form of like intimacy, I guess, in a way. Yeah, I suppose so. Or like if I don't have to worry about actively listening with my face, I can be more focused on what you're saying. In a way, that's interesting. I, that was thinking about it now. That was part of it too. That oh, okay. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. No, I'm joking. That's a weird way to go. Okay, that. <laughs> oh yes. Now that you say this, this was totally intentional. I'm just trying to like retcon everything now. I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a great point. I was thinking about that too, and <laughs> that's a, a joke that Todd Glass made. That he goes, if you're at a party and somebody give, makes an incredible point, the most incisive point you can ever think of. All you say in reply to that is, thank you. <laughs> Finally, somebody says it. Oh, I've been thinking yes. this for so long. Like, thank yes. you. I think that's very funny. Yeah, of course. This is how, this is the way I've been trying to articulate this. You've done it. <laughs> Finally, yeah. somebody says it. Yeah. It is so funny the second that like the recording thing goes on. Not that I'm like suddenly nervous or <laughs> yeah. anything. But it is, uh, what is that, the uh, is that the Heisenberg principle? What is that, the being watched, being recorded? Oh, that it what, inhibits your actions? Yeah, or not that it inhibits your actions, but that it um, influences your actions or informs, like, the things that you do. And that makes sense. I try, I try to be what, <clears throat> excuse me, whoever I am in the real world on this, but there are so many other considerations that I'm having right now that I wouldn't in a conversation otherwise, because I'm not thinking about like, yeah. like, is there starting to become a lull in the conversation? Do I do this? <laughs> you know, like, thankfully, I'm not like having a conversation with a friend on the phone and thinking like, wow, is the NSA entertained by this? In case they're listening? Like, that, you know, is the Patriot Act inhibiting? Like, I want them to listen, you know, at least enjoy themselves if they're going to be listening to this bullshit. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and I don't mean to, and and I apologize for uh, for for literally like forcing open the curtain to talk about the no face thing, but I but I do think that it's I I wouldn't have thought if if I would have been asked before doing your podcast, mm-hmm. 
if I would have liked the no camera thing, I think I would have said no, but I I think I I do I do like it. I mean, because you and I have never met and this is the only way that we know each other. True. And I kind of I I don't know, I like it. I'm into it. I think it makes me listen more. Like it mm. in a weird way. Like it makes me focus more on that, I guess, because I have less distractions and you know not that looking at somebody would be a distracting but there's definitely you're you're spending more plates when that's also in there because then you have to consider not just how is the conversation going it's do they know i'm paying attention do they know if i'm staring at a wall (laughs) that's actually me focusing even more on what we're talking about yeah because that's what i'm doing right now yeah do i have a big pile of trash behind me (laughs) or an offensive picture or a passed out person What's happening behind me? Did I take the offensive picture that I insist on having behind me at all times? <laughs> okay, good. Okay, good. You never know. Yeah. Um, how are you doing? Good. Good. All right, bye. Okay, good. Perfect. <laughs> and then I immediately say, like, last episode of the show, 200 and now. Done. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I'm doing good. Doing good. Good. Um, I... I think because because like every time I've recorded with you, it's felt so. I think like partially due in part to the to the non uh, visual element of it. Mm-hmm. I've always felt very present in those conversations, so I'm not really thinking about what I'm saying. So I don't have like a va- like a like a good recollection of our conversations. So, That's interesting. I know what you mean. Yeah. 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 Like I. like I know like certain things that we chatted about before but like not in the same way that I would I don't know I think about these conversations less like a show um in this like in the same way I would think about like doing other podcasts not that I like totally that I change into a different person but I'm just a bit more aware of you have other considerations maybe or you're you're thinking yeah, about like, I mean, maybe like, the fact that there is no format <laughs> technically <laughs> helps that because you're not like, oh, I need to watch this movie. You know, like there's something to that. Yeah, know. probably. Or like, or, or like, I'm just trying to like overly consider my like comedic contributions or whatever. And for that reason, they like stick in my head a bit more if I was to return to the to the podcast. So I say that because I don't want to like repeat. <laughs> so like I'm I'm self-conscious about like saying that I'm doing the exact same way as i was in december <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? that feels Which, like so long ago though just in life you it know it does like... it does yeah yeah um yeah i am doing well <laughs> i am Good. um uh yeah i'm doing well i mean like the i'm like the, i'm i'm without getting too boring too quick <laughs> like we save it for later. We need to end yeah. on a low. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I have a whole very boring <laughs> monologue about how I'm doing <laughs> that I'm going to save for we later. We have to get into our Dunham material later, so go out well, on a I'm tragic be- low, yeah. I mean, the like, I'm wondering if I talked about this before, and I'm hoping I didn't because I'm hoping I wasn't in the same place in December, but because of the way that the whole pandemic has been and the way that time has been, it's hard for me to, like, keep track but um yeah like emotionally and i'm doing i'm doing great but but um i have found it 
challenging, more challenging than I would have thought, like readjusting to normal life, like mm-hmm. re getting into routines I had before and kind of like shaking the like safety mechanisms and like safety routines that I created during the pandemic. Okay. Did I talk about that before? No, I don't think so. All right, cool. We'll set it there. And we can move okay, on. thanks for listening, guys. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Gosh, before we start recording, we really, we really talked about a lot of interesting stuff. Yeah, and I had a meltdown because this website wouldn't work, and I didn't know what to do with myself. And I said out loud to myself again, what is the meaning of this? <laughs> like a dramatic theater kid, only I'm saying it to myself, and I guess my cat as well, but. So. I mean, the difference, it, like, it, you're okay as long as you weren't looking into a mirror and <laughs> saying that. Were you looking into a mirror? Every day of my damn life. <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I was a, I, yeah. Please. Oh, I was going to say when I was very, um, I mean, this is a, this is a partially untrue statement because I was about to say when I was a very dramatic teenager as in like a dramatic meaning loving story loving dramatic turns loving high emotion not being dramatic in the things I was doing in my life but loving just uh diving into those things um as a very intense very boring Christian straight edge kid I definitely looked into the mirror when I was sad (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to yeah. look at myself crying when I was crying, just to be like, what is this? What is Did you do that in here? earnest, or was it because of how that is such a thing in pop culture to look in? You know, was it was it driven? Was mm. it just like a, this is my experience? Or was it that this is what you do? Because I know for me, as somebody who's seen way too many movies, sometimes I think I feel like I manufacture yeah, those cinematic say, moments. Brandon, you need to, uh, you've seen too many mo- movies. I have you a problem. Need to, you need to stop. I have a problem. I watched half of Elvis last night. I have a problem. Well, I mean, you only watched half of it. Yeah, I'm rationing. <laughs> I watched, I did a mini marathon today while I was working of all oh. of Jennifer Aniston's movies from the year 1997. So, Okay. Um, Wait, how many did she, what if it ends up it's just one movie that she did in 1997? <laughs> how many did she do in 1997? Uh, she did two. Um, okay. I made that sound like it was tons. Maybe <laughs> she did more than that, but like, I watched, I watched Pitch Perfect and um, the Object of My Affection, which are two okay. very different dramatically films. It's both like chased love. No, one of them is Paul Rudd, right? It's the Object of My Affection, and it's yeah. Why don't yeah. you tell me about the things you watched? How about that? <laughs> Well, what I what I was what I was yes. trying to express was that I uh, and you don't need me to say this because loads of people watch tons of movies, especially the people that you're talking to and that you know. But yes. um, I watch so many movies, and I I'm now watching them like when I'm watching them when I should be doing something else. I'm watching them under the uh, lie that I'm doing it for work. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm yeah. like 
researching like I'm I'm currently like working on a a uh, romantic comedy script for a thing so like anytime I'm like watching anything I'm like oh yeah it's just uh, it's for this thing and it's not just (laughs) (laughs) weird curiosity but um those two movies there's (laughs) so there's picture perfect which is a Rom-com starring Jennifer Aniston and Jay Moore, (laughs) which is... 90s are wild. (laughs) Yeah. And that pairing is is wild though jay moore does do a good job in the film i did like do a little little bit of research and apparently like jennifer aniston was uh according to jay moore not very nice to him on the film didn't really want him to be her co-lead and she really wanted her boyfriend at the time tate donovan to be her co-lead and and that movie is like a like a pseudo like a like a fine enough romantic comedy and then the other movie is the object of my affection which is starring her and paul red which is based on a novel of the same name by from 1987 and that movie was marketed as a rom-com absolutely is not a rom-com and yeah, i remember about... a detail about that yeah that would make it not a rom-com <laughs> it is not a rom-com it's and it's not like it's not poorly written or anything. Like all the parts are there, and they're great actors on it. We have uh, uh, Alan Alda, and um, what's her, uh, Steve Steve Zahn, and uh, gosh, what's her name? Her name is escaping me now. She plays them. Uh, Janny. Allison Janney? Yes, she's great. She is great. Yeah. It's like the script is really good, but the core premise of it is preposterous, <laughs> which is that um, there's uh, there's a there's a straight woman who bas- who just who falls in love with a gay man who is her best friend and is um, put in turmoil when he doesn't love her back the same way, and that is the that film. doesn't. That that's a fascinating form of tension, I guess. Uh, maybe it wasn't fascinating, yeah. but that's interesting. Well, I mean, like it brought up a lot of questions for me because I, and I mean, granted, I I have not met everyone on the planet, let alone gotten their story. Is this true? This is true. This is okay. me. This is me coming out on this podcast saying that I actually do not know everyone's personal experience. Okay, exclusive. Thank you. Exclusive. Tanya. Exclusive. Yeah. but also if you're listening please don't you know spread it around but anyway like the whole (laughs) core concept of the tension of the film is this idea that there is a very very accomplished very like mentally well whole sort of person who falls deeply in love with her best friend who is gay and her heart is broken by this situation and yeah and like i'm I'm not saying it yeah well and i like i mean i'm joking about not having talked to everyone but what i really mean is that like i'm assuming that i don't want to say that this experience is not a real experience just because i don't know anyone who's had this experience but if we're talking about 
um, you know, kind of, you know, it's not a massively big budget movie, but it was like a Hollywood made movie. It feels like such a specific, unrelatable experience being a straight woman falling in love with your gay best friend as an adult in their 30s. <laughs> and no, ju- and, and this is why I'm like, no judgment because I'm sure that exists. Um, but the whole thing with. I mean, the movie is definitely trying to kind of be a rom-com, but it's not really. At any rate, it's definitely like presented as a very relatable experience. <laughs> We've all and, been there, right? Yeah. It's and like maybe... it's not will they, won't they? It's no, they won't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the whole movie, genuinely, the whole movie is Jennifer Aniston being like, "But I, but I love you," and he's like, "I love you too," and he's like, and she's like. But sexy? And he's like, no. <laughs> and then it's just like over and over again. You know what the taglines for this movie is? There are two taglines. Oh my gosh. Please tell me. One of them is just like, no, no, that's not, no. One of them is <laughs> a love story that can only happen between best friends. Uh, what? Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, like, I feel like the film was, was kind of fucked over by its marketing because it was definitely marketed as a rom-com. As I can tell from the trailer and the posters and stuff. And it just isn't. Like, it's 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 based on a novel and it's very much, like, it's kind of in the tradition of, like, Hannah and her sisters or um, okay. other sort of 1970s character-driven feeling like plays, sort of New York stories kind of deals uh, but not like not like a super fun rom-com situation. But the thing that <laughs> like the heart of the film, even though like the performances are great, everyone is really great and the writing genuinely is really good. Um, but it is so it's just so gross. The idea of not believing someone's boundaries, essentially, and just the idea of. I mean, like, I'm I'm in the same stage of my life that this character is. And the idea of, like, suddenly falling in love with one of my gay friends feels like my own version of emotional saw, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yes. So yeah. crazy. Yeah, I mean, I guess the alternative title for this could have been like, wait, what? <laughs> Because you have that relationship, yeah. and then this uh, this dynamic seemingly again, I've not seen it, but like inexplicably changes, and then that's just a lot to wrap your head around, especially when you're best friends. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm trying to be careful with my words yes. because I don't want to offend anyone who's had this experience. But if I'm speaking exclusively for myself and uh, talking to people I know, I have never met a straight woman past the age of 21 who has who has gay friends who understands what homosexuality is and then has fallen so in love with their gay best friend that they're bringing them to task and being like can we make this work it just feels bonkers it's a lot to unpack i will say that and is it a lot also- to unpack i feel like i, I feel like it's pretty <laughs> simple kind of like i mean 
if it was a real thing, um, you know, I don't know. The other tagline for this is sometimes the most desirable relationship is the one you can't have. <laughs> like that's most of the time. Here, hold on, Brandon. <laughs> one moment. I have to yeah. let our cat in. Oh, <laughs> one moment. Is that King Henry? <laughs> uh, King Richard. Damn it. Okay. Yeah. King Richard. Did King we Richard. Talk about him before. I, I also. I feel like you mentioned him as like a neighborhood cat or maybe a neighborhood cat that has been. Yes. Yeah. He is a neighborhood cat for like, for ease, I said, our cat. Um, but uh, yeah, so there's like, I don't know if this exists like on the East Coast of the United States, definitely did not exist um, on the West Coast. But this idea of neighborhood cats who kind of live at like four different houses. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. apparently is like a big thing over here. There's even like a children's book, which is actually an English children's book. So Irish people don't know about it. But my boyfriend is English. And when his sister and his mom came to visit, they were like, oh, he's a six dinner Sid. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> what is this? And there's this children's book called Six Dinner Sid, which is about a cat who lives at six different houses. And everyone thinks that they that he is their cat and so he gets six dinners and then he gets very sick and then they all take him to the vet and then they all find out that they've all been taking care of the same cat um but through that process they realize that you should talk to your neighbors <laughs> and that's <laughs> the moral of the book that's the moral <laughs> <laughs> And then Sid goes off and he he uh, he goes to another neighborhood where all the neighbors talk to each other. So he gets an appropriate amount of food. <laughs> that is the end of the book. That is amazing. Yeah. So we have a six dinner Sid on our hands. You know, before, at halfway into the story of the book, I was going to say, no, that's a romantic comedy I'd like to see. But then you went to the... <laughs> <laughs> but then you got to the part where they took it to the vet, and I was like, oh, this is taking a turn. And then we got oh, back right. to it. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. I got a cat, too, so I'm trying to show respect um, to our feline brethren. Have you ever seen um, uh, Ready to Launch? Ready Waiting to, to launch? launch. Ready to Launch. Um, Which one? What it's is with that? Sarah Jessica Parker. And Failure to Launch? Matthew. Failure to Launch. <laughs> Ready to Launch. <laughs> <laughs> I think Bradley Cooper's in that before he got. I think that's right. Uh, I've seen that movie. Yeah, yes. yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, uh, and Terry Bradshaw. Oh no, it's Zoe Deschanel, Bradley Cooper, Sarah Jessica Parker, Matthew McConaughey, the guy who's an ex football coach. I think Terry Bradshaw. Comment. Yeah, yeah, and um, this has a cast. Yeah, and fucking um, Kathy Bates. What a cast. Wow. What a cast. What a cast. And the premise of that <laughs> film is that, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm fine, like, leaning. I'm feeling a little self-conscious over, like, just talking bullshit after, like, feel, like I don't know, feeling overly self-conscious. But, you know, being the 200th episode and talking so long before. But I will come out on this podcast as an absolute Ooh. romantic comedy scholar and i love romantic comedies oh big fan okay well what's your okay. favorite i know that's like not fair but what is the one no, you no, return no, no, to no, most no. often I, i'm i'm very into this well i just wanted to say do you know the premise of failure to launch 
I remember a little bit of it, and I remember it being kind of wild because it was about like a guy who didn't want to leave at all home. Just totally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Matthew McConaughey, who was like mm-hmm. super successful otherwise, has everything going for him, but he like just doesn't want to move out of his well, house with his parents. Well, even more than that, yeah. So the premise, the premise of the film is that Matthew McConaughey's parents, Matthew McConaughey being like a handsome bachelor who just doesn't want to leave home just because he's like kind of happy being at home not because he's depressed or not that (laughs) not that that's the reason why people stay at home but like not really that he like he he has a lot of agency as a person okay good that guy needs to you know catch a break and yeah yeah but but i mean like that is (laughs) that aside i mean but like he's not uh yeah, I mean, like, the way they frame this aside, the premise of the film that they would pitch in the room would be, we have a character who's not leaving home, so there are parents who hire this woman whose entire business is seducing men out of their homes with their parents. <laughs> That's right. Oh. And that is Sarah Jessica's, Sarah Jessica Parker's job. So it's like, it's kind of, it's in the same, it's in the same like kind of category as um, Hitch. Okay. Which is about a guy who is hired to teach guys how to start dating women. It's like this fantasy idea of how romance works or how the world works. Yeah. But in Failure to Launch, there is a woman whose job is to seduce men out of the house with their parents but one of the things that um sarah jessica parker does in the thing is that she's got to get the guy to fall in love with her and one of her steps in the thing is that she has a sick pet that uh the guy has to be there to like see her go through like the death of this pet to fall in love with her to the extent that she knows the vet. So that's a thing. I have seen this movie, and yet I am riveted by whatever <laughs> the movie is as if I've not seen it. Because I just remember little flashes of things, like there's a scene of them doing like rock climbing or paintballs or maybe mm. both. Terry Bradshaw just wants him to get out of the house so he can walk around naked. That's a oh, whole thing, right, I want to say. Right, right, yeah, yeah. And he's and everyone's great in it. And Terry Bradshaw, who I don't, you know, don't know from, from Adam, but like he's he's very funny he seems like an actor and then it's weird to me to find out not to find out i knew he was a football player turned commentator but he's not one that i would have chosen to been like that guy's gonna be a great actor i mean not that i really but you know (laughs) (laughs) everywhere i go when i meet somebody i'm like would they be a good actor i think that every time (laughs) as if like that's my thought brother he knows what's for sale you know like he knows (laughs) what his brand is you know, and you don't you don't usually expect that from elite athletes that they know what's funny and interesting about them because you're like, well, they've got a they've got a lot more on their plate <laughs> to yeah. figure out beyond us compartmentalizing them as a certain kind of story type character. But like he, yeah, he nails it, and it's not his only rom com. He's another rom coms. And he had a TV show on NBC for a minute too. I want to say it's oh. called Hot in Cleveland. Oh, okay, okay. That was the show with uh, Betty White, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, I was about to speak on a thing. I'm like, I have no idea what it was. I'm just surprised that I even <laughs> knew the name of the title. 
And even then, I said it with a question mark, so I wouldn't even that know. Me too. I've never, I've never seen it. I have seen. I did see advertising for it, and I think my advert, my understanding of it was that it. I think my understanding of it was just that it was like a reboot of Golden Girls. Okay. Okay. But I that don't makes think sense. that that's I, right. That's probably just because Betty White was in it. I think you're right on. Got Wendy Malick, Jane Leaves, Betty White, Valerie Bertinelli. Oh. Dave Foley apparently pops up in there. Interesting. Well, now they want to... <laughs> Did I just get converted to a hot in Cleveland head? Is this is what happened right now? <laughs> I am so curious what it's about, what the thing is. Here we go. When their plane has trouble while on a flight to Paris... I had no idea. I did not expect this beginning. When their plane has trouble while on a flight to Paris, three glamorous L.A. women find themselves in a completely new and unexpected place. Feeling the need for a girls-only once-in-a-lifetime trip, Melanie cashes in her airline miles to finance a trip to the City of Light for herself and her two best friends, Joy and Victoria. All, quote, of a certain age. And feeling Sorry, less Cleveland than Cleveland is the city of light? I think this is Paris. LA women going to Paris. I'm waiting yeah, for the yeah. Cleveland part to come in. Oh, here we go. Hold on. Okay. And feeling less than desirable. They make I, it. I thought for a moment that, because I know, I know that Paris is the city of light. <laughs> and I was like, oh, is Cleveland also the city of light? That would be amazing. It's so funny that like the sister city to Paris is Cleveland. <laughs> like, what's Cleveland's motto? The city of light also. It's really specific. <laughs> I feel like the 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 slogan of uh, or the what do you call it the slogan the motto the motto I, I would I would guess that the motto of Cleveland is we're here don't question it we're doing it <laughs> <laughs> I've got the city motto it is a very generic city motto that I would not have it's unguessable and it's so like standardness I guess but progress and prosperity I mean that's what I said. I mean, it's just worded a different way, but that is literally what I said. Not literally, but that is figuratively yeah, what I said. Yeah, what I meant to say here. is you nailed it. Right, yeah. <laughs> we're doing things. Don't mind us. We're go- going to keep on doing it. What is your favorite rom-com, if you have one? <clears throat> well, um, I mean, complex question. Uh, but, um, I mean, my favorite, and I'm not saying that these are the best kinds of rom-coms, but like my person for like my own enjoyment, just watching something, my favorite rom-coms are the rom-coms with some sort of fantasy element to them. Okay. Like some sort of like time travel or, uh, just otherworldly magic happening. So like, I love about time i rewatched that like a month ago yeah do you like it i like it a lot i like richard curtis movies in general yeah i like notting hill i think it's fantastic but yeah yeah i I like the movie i love notting hill i actually yeah 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 i actually like recently i do it i do a movie club with friends from la uh every week which is kind of dipped recently because it's at 2 a.m on wednesdays because i live in dublin so i haven't been able to do it just recently but i died on an absolute hill on the at the Notting Hill week because there are friends of mine who were very much against it and really I wrote like a whole essay about why it's a brilliant <laughs> film uh but yeah I love I mean like I I'm a weird Richard Curtis or maybe this isn't weird but like 
uh, untraditional Richard Curtis fan, which maybe is most of us, where, like, I don't love four weddings and a funeral. I feel like there are moments in that that are insane. Yeah. Like, where Andy McDowell at the end is like, is it raining? And I'm like, what is happening? You've just shown her to be an insane person. What is any of this? Andy McDowell is a an interesting actor. Let's say <laughs> a divisive actor, a divisive for sure. I've seen that movie many times, but that vividly remember that that you'll catch a code or something. Oh, is it raining? Yeah. What a I don't know. In a movie that had a lot of great moments, what about that was like? Well, this obviously has to stay in. Like, what did that do at all? I guess what did it communicate <laughs> that she was just so confused that she didn't even I know mean, it was raining? I mean, like, I think you, I think you have to like take into account that Richard Curtis has this immense fascination slash romantic obsession with American women and that being so like if you're (laughs) I don't know if anyone's still listening at this point but if you (laughs) are so Richard Curtis is for weddings and a funeral Notting Hill Love Actually and uh, About Time and um, he has this romantic fascination with American women as being like this exotic sort of entity. So like when I watch that now, my thought is that he's like, in the way that people, you know, we speak the same language, obviously, English people, American people, but there are like slight cultural differences that you would maybe sort of pass off as like cute or adorable because you don't really understand them. And okay. I feel like I can speak speak to this as somebody who I don't live in the UK, but I live in Ireland, which is UK adjacent, um, with an English person. And so I know how like some things are sort of lost in translation and I can see friends of mine interacting with American people and vice versa, not totally understanding what's happening. And sometimes <laughs> like <laughs> sometimes just chalking things up to being like ah, they're being cute, or ah, like, that person sucks. But it's, (laughs) it comes down to like a sort of cultural misunderstanding. So in that moment, when she's saying, like, is it raining? I feel like that's him trying to write his best version of an American woman in that moment being sort of wistful and delusional, and that being kind of a charming thing, (laughs) is what he's trying to do. But I don't, but he doesn't do it in the films that come after that. It's, so I think you, he kind of, yeah. When you mentioned, though, that Amer- about him, his perception of Americans and especially you know, American women, when he said that, I immediately thought of any of the few scenes in, I guess, Wisconsin in Love Actually, where mm. yeah, exactly. the women yeah. have like inexplicable, like one of them has a country accent and they're all like true, like movie star bombshell <laughs> looking. And they're all just like, yeah, well, you know, it gets kind of cold here. We need to really warm up. And it's like m- much mm-hmm. of like, it truly is like the 20 something English boys fantasy of what American women are in that moment. Cause he was and like, I'm going to go to America. Like, that part of the film definitely is like a sketch. Sure. For sure. Like, like, I think it's meant to be. But also, like, I, like, what am I, I mean, I've never said this to anyone, Brandon, so this is uh, an exclusive. Oh, God, we got an episode 200 exclusive. (laughs) 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 But, um, you know, it's very, it's very, it's very popular to, uh, uh, to shit on Love Actually for good reason. 
but my my personal claim to fame in my own heart when I'm like working like as a script editor and working on screenwriting and like trying to sell scripts and and all those things is that when I saw Love Actually in the theater, I sat with a big group of friends at a big movie theater in San Diego, like one of these like amusement park type (laughs) movie theaters where you know, you get all your food. It was just like a whole thing. And I love romantic comedies. I've always loved romantic comedies and went to this movie. And I think we were even going for my birthday, but it was a group of like 20 teenagers or so watching this movie. And I hated it. I hated it. Wow. Like, walking out of the movie, and I, like, I didn't have the emotional maturity to, like, to kind of, like, temper how I was feeling as I was walking out of the movie, because everyone was like, oh, my God, I loved it. And I was (laughs) super offended by it, for all the reasons that people are offended by it now, again, or not again, but uh, this is an obnoxious (laughs) claim to fame, or not claim to fame, but claim to um, integrity, I suppose, or something. But um, I really didn't like it. I I was like, this. There's there's so much toxicity in this, and like they're like, how are we like this? Feels racist. And this feels patriarchal, and like I this is a horrible movie. Um, but then my admission is like five years later. I was like, I. And then now I hate it again. Well, on a very different side of that coin, this is also an episode 200 exclusive. I saw it in the theater (laughs) when it came out. Mm. And I loved it. All right, right. Now, I mean, like, that's. uh, Do I need to unpack that? Probably. But I did. (laughs) And because it was just like a dumb, fun, like, Christmas movie to me. And I was just like, cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, honestly, I I feel like the more shameful. Not to try to outshame you, but I feel like the more shameful <laughs> admission is that, like, for, I first saw it and and knew why it was problematic and did not like it for that re- those reasons. But then watching it over and over again, I just kind of acquiesced and was like, okay, yeah, I love it. <laughs> but then when when like it, it started being kind of discussed as a problematic movie i was like oh oh yeah no i said that i said all these things <laughs> this is how i thought initially <laughs> so oh did i mention like... that i said this before for the fr- okay just to be clear <laughs> yeah. i planted my flag early on just to make sure yeah yeah was. so i feel like that shows a profound weakness in character that like i literally felt those things and then just was like no i like because i mean it has all my favorite people in it you know, it, it also has like the cadence of a romantic comedy. Like it, and it, it takes all of the boxes of what it should be, of what I mean. Yeah, seemingly oh, you're consciously in like and out a bit, Brandon. Am I? Can you hear me? Uh oh, hello. Uh oh, yeah, you're cutting it in and again? out a little bit. Okay, let me. How about this? Can you but hear maybe me? Maybe it's okay. Yeah, yeah, can you I hear can me? hear you. Okay, now. okay. It sucks. I was making such a great point that I had no Are idea where I was going. Going out a little bit. Just a little <clears> bit. <throat> okay, hold on. Um, I could Can also change to a different internet. Yes. Okay. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> Did that work? Yes. Okay. 
But yeah, as far as as far as favorite rom coms go, probably like I mean, I love them so much, and the uh, genre is so varied. It's like there are different things for different moods or purposes. But sure, probably my best friend's wedding would be my favorite. Great movie. Great movie. It. I think Rupert. Um, yeah. Rupert Everett. Everett. No, Everett was nominated for best supporting actor for that. Like it was a. Oh, was very it? Much a, I think that? so. I think it was a very much like, who is this guy? Because I just hadn't watched a lot mm. of like the period films that he had been in, I guess, in England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great actor. Great yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. No, he's he's so funny in it. Um, yeah, and I'm trying to remember who wrote that. But yeah, mm. I mean, my, the like the other like as far as like romantic comedies go a film that I feel is a perfect romantic comedy for the genre like if we're if we're thinking of like typical 90s early 2000s like popcorn romantic comedy that just services all the things but was also like really trashed by critics but really holds up as a solid rom-com which i still really enjoy and i understand i understand where it's where it doesn't work but i think it's great is 27 dresses 